You're listening to a 9to5.cc podcast. What's up, Fantasia moviegoers? Uh, this is 9to5cc Goes to Fantasia, uh, part of our podcast series that we do almost every year, where we talk about some of the movies that we're seeing at the Fantasia International Film Festival in Montreal. This year, like many other things, the festival is completely online, but that doesn't mean we're not watching a bunch of movies. Uh, we're including the Fantasia series in our main 9to5cc podcast uh, stream that you can find uh, on your most podcasting applications we're also including it on the 90s um podcast uh channel so if you go there you can also find the movies there um that's it for me uh, go out to fantasia and by go out to fantasia i mean stay home on your couch and watch fantasia watch fantasia movies and enjoy the show watching fantasia movies at home with my wife while my friends watch the movies at home, you, you, by okay. themselves, we have we were gone. That's it. Um, so, after I watched Sanzaru, almost immediately after I watched Sanzaru, I followed up with uh, film Minor Premise, which was weird because it was then uh, again, as I mentioned, I think last episode, my viewings of just people kind of going crazy. So. I talked about this two or three episodes ago, whatever, one of the ones with Sam, where I was hoping for Minor Premise was a bit like a primer movie, but maybe more psychological. So the premise of Minor Premise is that basically a guy, I guess, sort of hacks his brain uh, inadvertently and then separates his, um, I guess, accidentally, I think he's trying to cure, I think they're trying to map the brain. And then he inadvertently uh, separates his brain functions into 10, like, discrete and isolated functions where he'll have, like, first, and, and, and also it happens like clockwork. So every six minutes, so 10 times, uh, 10 times an hour, uh, his personality, or not his personality, his brain functions shift. So he's the same person every time, but he has no memory of each thing. So, like, one of them is rage, one of them is intellect, one of them is primitive, one of them is euphoric, like... And it just all separates us. This is so a pretty elaborate setup. It is a pretty elaborate setup. <clears throat> and the, I will say that I, where I wanted a bit of primer, it did not really uh, deliver it. You're just sort of like, you're this, it's this guy who was a scientist who was kind of living in the shadow of his, uh, of his, his father's scientific work. And apparently, I guess, like, he, he he completed his father's, like, R9 brain mapping machine, and he's working on the R10 uh, is the thing. And then he drunkenly puts his head in the thing, and then this happens to him. And there's, they really, other than you put your head in the thing, there's none of that, like, science explanation. You're just sort of like, so this machine can do this. Now we're dealing with it. So, And it happens by putting your head in a microwave type box? Kind of neat. <laughs> like, and, and so like immediately I was not, not to say that that's like a negative thing, but it was just like, I was like, okay, so this is not like a hard sci-fi. They were just like, they just came up with this idea and they were just like, well, the only way to do find it, a sci-fi. Yeah. The only way to like do this idea is either like magic or like science magic, you know, like <clears throat> whatever the, like, however they got there, the idea is more about that this situation has happened and less about, I think, how it happens. And then the rest of the movie is him sort of trying to piece back together uh, his brain because apparently, or not, a, like, with a bunch of weird pseudoscience that are like, the brain can't operate that way. Uh, and 
also it was like it seemed that because the brain was operating that way it was possibly like causing damage to the various like centers of the brain because it wasn't like it wasn't balanced so they had to like go to a baseline and then like reunite them was basically the, the thing but so there was like the default and then there was the default had like a mix of of i guess brain settings and then there were nine other things that happened throughout the course of the hour so in large part all of the work was happening in 12 minutes an hour right in terms of how like the science resolution would happen because you'd have the default who was like the the science and intellect the intellect piece that was the science part and they were trying to like work together and then there's like a lab assistant girl who is sort of trying to like help them piece it together as the other personality and the rest of the time he's running around like a monkey screwing things up sometimes yeah and then there's also there's like the the big deal is there's the eighth um the eighth segment that they're like we don't know what this maps to but he seems to have another agenda right and he wants to baseline and like the only kind of thing is that like he appears to he smokes <laughs> But so it's the bad guy one, obviously. Right. But then they pointed out that they're like, but even and like the bad guy one even points this out at one point talking to the assistant. He's like, he's like, this is just confirmation, like confirmation bias to the assistant. He's like, when you showed up, you happened to be talking to number one and you thought he was the default. He's like, I could easily be the default. Like, he's like, I think I'm the default. <laughs> he's like, one could be like some weird suppressed psycho part of me. And we're trying to baseline to him, <laughs> you know? Not wrong. Exactly. Like, so that, that's where it kind of gets interesting, right? Is you're like, wait, <laughs> you know, you're like, we're rooting for number one because he was the one that figured out that this happened to him. But like, that just happened to be the personality that happens at like at, on the hour. There's no reason to imagine that that would have anything to do with anything. Okay. So does it all work? Uh, it, so it works. And basically, um, hang on. Yes. Okay. Making sure Ethan Safia Sridharan uh, plays Ethan. Um, it, this movie would fall to pieces if it wasn't for uh, Satya's performance as the main character, Ethan. Like, this guy does it very well, does does kind of the subtleties between the different personalities very well. And, like, he, this could easily be, like, un, he could be very annoying when he's playing, like, intellectual him or if he's playing psycho him or whatever. Like, it'd be... It, it would be such an easy trap to fall into like overacting in any of these. For sure, for sure. <laughs> Where you're just sort of like, now Ethan, become rage. <laughs> you know, like that's literally the direction. Like there's, it could go real bad when you have this guy kind of like all over the map in these performances. While even the more together segments of his brain are also meant to be like falling to pieces through like exhaustion as he's trying to like undo all this, right? Like there's a lot that hangs on his shoulders as an actor. And I feel that a lot of other actors would have probably failed miserably. And it would have been in like an annoying film, but he does it really well. <laughs> so because of his performance and because of how it works, um, it's like, you're at least invested. You're kind of like, you're like, you're like, where is this going to go? Are they going to do it? Like, are they going to succeed? is one bad is eight bad does it matter <laughs> like you know like you're like they get back to a base like i mean i guess like spoilers like they they get back to a baseline but it's still the movie doesn't it goes like oh it could like the movie's basically like it could be either one and you sort of need to judge i guess like was it the right one even if it was eight <laughs> you know like or was it one and uh yeah i, I would say like in in that sense it succeeds very well in terms of like I was you're on board for 
the 94 minute runtime. Like it, it's it's interesting, and like it's not that there's like a lot of twists. Like I said, like the, the setup is there's ten distinct brain parts of this one character, and he needs to try to put them back together. <laughs> you know, and but there is a lot of like kind of like twist storytelling where sometimes like one ca- one of the parts will do something sort of like in, very integral to the plot. And then you have to like real and then like and is pointedly like hiding it from another part. But then the assistant knows. So the assistant is choosing to lie to the other part also. And then like he, the other part like finds out and then gets gets mad at her for hiding what he did like six hours earlier. From is, is it easy to follow all of that or you kind of get lost? Like I imagine you're you're like remembering these events happening to different versions of the same face. Like it would be so easy to get all tangled up. It's it. It sorts it out, and again, again, a lot of it, like a lot of it, succeeds. Where even if you're like not sure, like suddenly you see the way Ethan reacts, and you're like, "Oh, that was not the same Ethan." Like this, this Ethan is hearing about this for the first time, you know. So like a lot of the visual cues kind of come from the actor. So even if you've kind of like lost the thread a little bit, the way he's reacting, like, and because you kind of they because they explain the rules really like out the gate, you're like, "Oh, this whoever this is." does right, not know right, about right. what they're talking about. Like this is complete news to him, you know? So you can like, because you, because you know all the rules out of the get go, you can p- put all that stuff together. So even when it does take like, sort of like sharp left turns, got it, and got it, got it. Stuff, you, you pick up on it. Yeah. I would say this, um, out of the movies I watched, I would say probably falls into the, the, but my second favorite Fantasia movie, I think that I watched this year out of, I mean, not, not to say that I, well, that's not as big of a statement as yours when I've seen like 15 or 20, <laughs> but like out of six, this is probably, I would say like this is my second favorite one in terms of like, it didn't like, I really enjoyed um, uh, the dark and the wicked, but it kind of fell apart when the more you thought about it, this does sort of have a, like a preposterous setup and like does no more than it. Sarah even just said, okay. So like the, the machine is literally like a dentist chair with uh, one of those like old lady hair blow dryer things over it and you just like you sit in it and then you're like woo, and then it, the magic happens i mean whatever you know exactly. that, that, that's it it was like so it doesn't necessarily if you're like if you think about the science you're like nope but if you just say okay yeah this is this is the, the point who cares about the science this just happened then it absolutely succeeds at everything it's trying to do so i give it thumbs up right on oh uh, yeah I, I, yeah I, and i mean it's also it's it's always fun i think to see like I, I think I talked about this a, a couple episodes ago. Like that, like low tier sci-fi, or like, like, like small, like, like I don't even know, like locked room science fiction. You know, like where you're just sort of like one set, and small like you just like, yep. you, like small story, but with like a high concept sci-fi like premise. You know, it's not necessarily spooky. It's not whatever. You're like science is the thing at play here, even if it's completely bonkers bananas science. <laughs> Well, I mean, The Fly is one of those great science metamorphosis movies, and that's all kinds of bonkers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you take you take the conceit of the science, and then you make a, a plot around that. You don't yeah. have to worry too much about explaining it. Yeah. That said, though, I do. I I was kind of hoping for uh, some like better science in the in this. Like it was, it just it was like it was just. I thought it was like real arbitrary. You're just sort of like. Like I forget what they are, like rage, creativity, intellect, euphoria, like, I don't know, a couple others. And you're just sort of like, and the fact that it like switches like clockworks every six minutes. It was just like, it was just like, you were like, you, it stuck to those rules. So thumbs up. 
but it just like it just picked rules and was like this is how this happened like but yeah if you give it that conceit i think it delivers what else did you watch scott so i watched a hero never dies this movie was presented it's one of the uh, fantasia classics so it had, it was made in 1998 mm-hmm. and had appeared in the festival before and they brought it back because apparently it was well received uh okay. it is a john woo chow yun fat knockoff style of oh i saw that i think i saw the it's like they they, they, they just restored it right i want to say yeah it it, it looked crisp and sharp and whoever did the digital restoration um did an amazing job it it was was shiny on on the screen Mm -hmm. and that was cool and the first half of this movie was exactly what i wanted (laughs) gun 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 food chow young fat like people flying around doves yeah (laughs) the the basic plot is there's two uh hard-boiled two Hong Kong mob lords who are engaged in a gang war with each other. And they each have a right-hand man and the right-hand men are Jack and Martin. And they're the coolest, baddest, most amazing gunslingers and, and loyal. And they're, they're great at their jobs. And they're both kind of like, man, this, this gang war really sucks. We, we're all dying. All, all <laughs> of the men are dying. And it's, and they're like, no, we got to do it. We, we can't back down now. And they stay loyal. And then at like 45 minutes, 50 minutes into the movie, they have this huge, crazy set piece gunfight, hard boiled style. And almost everyone dies except for one of the gang bosses who then gets up and shoots the hell out of both of these gunslingers. Okay. The the guy that's trying to kill him and his right hand man. Okay. This is where yes. the movie goes. This is where the movie goes. goes weird. I thought the heroes don't die. Well, the movie goes super weird here because then the the like the general, the guy who runs all of the crime, brings <laughs> these two bosses in. Hello, I run all of the crime. Yeah, and he only, he's general. the <laughs> he's the only one in the movie who speaks English, but he obviously is not a native English speaker, and it's really weird. But these two gang bosses who have now murdered all of their gangs get called in front of this guy. And he's like, the gang war is over. Everything that you had before the war started goes back to you. There is no change. And the two gang bosses shake hands and move on with their lives. One of the gunslingers uh, from the the results of the gunfight had his legs amputated. They, They got infected and gangrenous and lives with his prostitute girlfriend who takes care of him. The other gunslinger was in critical care when some assassins came to wipe him out at the hospital and his girlfriend hid him in the morgue. And in order to try to chase them out of the morgue, she threw him in a fridge, but the the assassins ended up lighting the rest of the morgue on fire. So she was critically injured with like third degree burns covering most of her body. Mm-hmm. They fight then, with coins. No, they have like a that. That's like a weird scene in the middle when they face off with each other in a neutral ground. Yeah, they like try to force the other guy to drink a glass of their wine, arguing whose wine is better. And yeah, then it's they, the famous bar scene, which leads brilliantly to spar with coins, wine glasses, and bullets. 
Well, there's no bullets. They just kind of flick coins at each other's glasses to make sure that they can't drink their own <laughs> wine. Trying to force them to drink the other guy's wine. It's like a cocky show-off scene. Sounds cool, though. It's cool. But then, but then the last half of this movie is like my left foot. It's like this weird rehabby long my life is so sad how come these gang bosses just used us and threw us away mm -hmm. everything is awful and it's it goes on and on and on and it's so sad and depressing <laughs> in this shitty gun fu movie so the acting isn't great like these are guys who are used to hamming it up for the camera and they're just like my legs are gone okay but Look, do they solve I'm the problem yeah, in the end like, by shooting it. each other no, one of them died. One of them dies in his wheelchair, Fine. and the, the the survivor guy uses like props him up like a, a weekend at Bernie style to trick the other gang bosses, and uses as a as a prop to get into their club and murder everyone. But is the, the murdering everyone? The <laughs> I mean, sort of. But like, that like, point, it's hard to get hype at that point after you just watched like 45 minutes of sad dudes and now you're like back to the gun foo. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. And uh everyone's dead at the end, and you're like, that wasn't nice or weak. Like, what the fuck was that movie? <laughs> I gotta I have to say to the, the to the Fantasia um what do you call it, blurb writers. The 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 level of praise. Listen to this. Imagine a Sergio Leone spaghetti western remixed with Michael Mann's neo noir meeting John Woo with even more swaggering cool. That, uh -huh. that, that does not say. And then the weird, sad, depressing parts of Forrest Gump with Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you guys ever see uh, Born on the Fourth of July? The yeah. Nope. It's good. So it's a Tom Cruise like acting picture where he spent the whole time in the wheelchair, coming back from, and like realizing that he's not hailed as a hero, and all his sacrifices were reviled by the American public. Right. Like sad but hammy at the same time. Like he's yeah. he's screaming, "I want the truth!" at the camera, kind of level of acting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's 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 Tom it's Tom Cruise being like, "I am an actor," <laughs> and you're like, "No, you're Tom Cruise, man!" Like we want to watch you like jump out of trains and fly fighter jets climbing the outside of a building mm -hmm. uh it's like that but in a hong kong gun movie from the late 90s like it's just hmm. you made some choices johnny toe okay okay like, was it too much or it did much. it work at the end too much it was way too much yeah. way way too much and and for them to be like and it's resolved by everyone dying and you're like no that uh, fuck None of that is good. Oh man, that Soy like, Hark uh, was involved in some of the action set pieces and stuff. He did the some of the Once Upon a Time in China. Did Swordsman Two. It, it feels like they made a really cool movie, and then they just like were like at four. They're like, wait, the movie's over at forty-five minutes, and they just then they were like, now let's try to get some acting in. They could have put a seventy-seven-minute sword fight in there. They should have. Man, if that gunfight where they they both get crippled was 77 minutes and then it cuts right away to the last fight where they get their revenge, 100% I'm into this movie. I, I, I buy the poster and put it up in my house. Release the MacIver cut. 
<laughs> just, just looping that gunfight over and over again. Exactly. Weird cuts, guys. I mean, you, you said that in Crazy Samurai Musashi, you keep seeing the same extras like die again and yep. again. Yep. So you see like the same. You do the same thing. You're like, didn't that guy get shot exactly the same way like five minutes ago? You're like, Shh, keep going. It's an artistic choice. It's meant to show that their lives have no value. They stop exactly. being people as individuals. They're just the meaninglessness. They're, they represent all low-level gangsters, not 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 a unique low-level gangster. Perfection. That still messes me up, Keith. <laughs> it's been days since we recorded that podcast, <laughs> and I'm still been... thinking about it. Dude, I think it's the mark of great cinema. Like, it... If, if it has resonated with you, like, near coming on a week after seeing it, like... I just have to know if that was the the thought, even even just a tiny part of the thought... Or if I'm looking at, at like the bag floating in the wind, seeing it as art. <laughs> so, so much beauty in the world. I just can't take it. <laughs> 77 minute sword fights everywhere. <laughs> uh, Man. Uh, all right. Yeah. Uh, a hero never dies. You can watch the trailer and you're fine. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I guess, I'm going to. I guess watch that 4K trailer. Like, if you can find it, go all out. Exactly. Yeah, uh, it's it's a it's a weak imitator for some of the like the John Woo stuff. The better the better gun. Kung like, Fu just go out and watch Hard Boiled. Like, yeah, go watch about or a better tomorrow or Hard Boiled or Face, face Off. off? Yeah, yeah, sure. Go watch Face Off. <laughs> uh, the one that they turned into a show was it a Thief's? The Once a Thief. Once a Thief. Like the, the John Woo movie, Once a Thief, that then they then turned into a TV show. Hmm. Um, I watched The Mortuary Collection, which oh. was a delight. Uh, th- th- one month too early. Like, this is the perfect, like, so I, I have, like, a really big soft spot uh, for, like, kind of campy horror anthology films. <laughs> Like um, the ones that obviously stick out are like Creep Show, uh, the Creep Show TV series that uh, Shutter put on last year. Um, Trick or Treat, I also really really enjoyed. Uh, and this like Twilight play... Zone, Twilight Zone the movie, Twilight Zone the movie, yeah. But but the, the thing is, is so but those don't necessarily. I guess they kind of do, but this sort of goes into the um, the uh, Creep Show sort of not even like I get like. Because Creepshow, Tales from the Crypt, there you go, that's what I'm thinking of. I was like, well, I'm, Tales from the Crypt has the Crypt Keeper who kind of introduces everything, right? Uh, and this sort of goes into, all operates in those same that same area of horror storytelling. It's There's a mortuary worker played by Clancy Brown, who is like perfect nice. mm-hmm. casting as just being like, welcome to the mortuary. And you're like, yay, I just want, like, which then it's kind of unfortunate because, so he's, um, I guess, yeah, he works at the mortuary and then like this young blonde girl comes and essentially like there's a help wanted sign and is essentially the the setup for the stories being told uh, is that he's like every corpse has a story and it's just kind of like telling spooky stories about how people died. Um, but it's sort of weird because uh, Caitlin Fisher, who plays Sam, her performance is not great. But then I realized that like, think about how much of a pain, like, and it's just the two of them talking all the time. 
how much of a pain in the ass it must be to have to like act like the normal one while Clancy Brown is just sort of like, every story has an ending, a most dark ending. And like twiddling his fingers as he speaks. And like, you have nothing else to play off except for this completely over the top Clancy Brown character. Right. So it's just sort of like, so she kind of comes off as like a little kind of like hammy as well, where I don't think that was like on purpose. I just don't think that there's anything else for her to play off. Was was this just introducing the segments you're talking? So yes and no, because <laughs> it, 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 there's a twist. I don't want to necessarily get into the spoiling of it, but it's like, but she has her own motives to even be coming to the mortuary while uh, he's kind of telling these, uh, the anthology stories. And then like the, the pieces with them becomes like its own, story and the climax of the film is kind of about them which is also kind of like a spooky horror thing so like it's like as in between in between the vignettes you're getting little bits and pieces of why this like young blonde girl is in the mortuary so there is like a whole other little story um and yeah we're it like i can't uh i think the fact that it succeeds i can't really um put more of like a sell on it than just to be like yeah it's a fun horror anthology film with the, I think the right amount of like, everything is just kind of like, it's kind of set in this weird, in this town of like Raven's end or whatever. And it seems to be kind of like that same way that uh, chilling tales of Sabrina is kind of the (laughs) sixties, even though it's like modern, everybody just like, everything is kind of shot that way. Uh, I don't think anybody even has a cell phone in this, but it's just sort of like, it seems to be just sort of like this weird, like Norman Rockwell-esque like visual aesthetic that's applied to the entire film, which Mm -hmm. just kind of like gives it this like visual style, which kind of makes, like it adds a lot to the fact that it's like about little stories, you know, like you're like, oh, it's like this little like story time town with obviously the weird horrific twist endings every time. Like, and and they also, they don't pull punches in the twist endings either. Like I will, this is a, a, a spoiler um but there is a scene where a guy's you see it only for a brief second and you're not even sure what you saw but the the build up definitely tells you what you saw and it's his dick exploding like <laughs> just like you just see it swell up it's filling the screen for a split second like bike club style and then it explodes but why well i don't want to spoil how you, how you got there okay Okay. But I'm just saying, but like I'm saying, but like in terms of the gore, like I was like, is this movie for like kids? And I was like, nope. <laughs> like when when it leans into the gore, you're like, whoa, that was like way further out there than I was like expecting. Even if it was just for a split second, you know. I think it's just like it's that perfect, um, it's that exact movie that like 15 or 16 year old you would want to watch around Halloween, you know, like like you're sort of like I'm gonna put this on. It doesn't require a ton of like brain power to sort of sit through it it's like bite-sized little vignettes each one is like has stylistic thing and obviously you you think it's one thing and then it twists to another like but like a predictable twist and it's also funny too because of the framing because there's not just the creepy mortician there's also the young girl like she kind of like critiques them at the end she's like she's like who didn't see that twist coming like right away as soon as you know like like sort of like putting that like that spin on it being like yeah she she elvira's it Kinda, yeah, exactly. And he's, yeah. and he's like, "Well, this one's even spookier," <laughs> you know. Like, like, don't judge me. I'm just getting warmed up. <laughs> like, you know, like Vincent Price and Elvira presents. Mm. I kind of down yeah. for that. Yeah. But yeah, that's it. And you can just sort of like, um, 
I mean, if, if you watched any of those old tale of, tales from the crypt, like you you see the twist coming immediately. You know, you're just like, oh, like a nerdy guy who and this isn't even one of the plots, but like the nerdy guy who like makes the wish to become handsome or whatever. You're like, you know that you're watching tales from the crypt. You know it's just going to go badly for him. You know, like you know yeah. it's not even a twist because of the film you're watching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so yeah, they play with that a little bit, and then uh, I think that where I guess. Does it fully succeed? Because um, what it tries to do is it actually tries to kind of like lead you up to a final twist that I think that you're not supposed to see coming. <laughs> or maybe you, you kind of see it coming. <laughs> like, you know, like it, it's 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 they 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 play so much of it over the top that it's at least it's if it was intended to be shocking. I, I think that they wanted they could have maybe leaned into a bit more of a twist, but. I, it still is effective and you have like an aha moment, you know, still like even, even if it's sort of like telegraphed, you still kind of get the like, Oh, you know, like, which is, you're not, uh, you're not, you're not dropping like M night Shyamalan twists here. Um, yeah, no, I really, I, I like this. I thought it would be very cool. Uh, has been working. What the heck he presented it. So apparently this movie was being, Oh yeah. That, I will this is something where I think that this there's a missed opportunity in this film um which I think that the the movie I'll tell you right now missed out on an on an option that they started with and I was so happy for about 2 minutes and then it reverted back so one of the vignettes is told by uh the Sam character the the girl and when it when that vignette starts, mm-hmm. it's like shot and filmed like an '80s slasher film, and I was like, okay. "That's amazing! It's a different narrator." <laughs> <laughs> but then it turns out that it's like people in the in the other like style watching a movie, like they do kind of like the the, the fake out scream intro, right? Uh-huh. And I, exactly that's what I'm saying, like, which is fine. But I was like that would have been so good if you're watching like these like two, three vignettes as told by the creepy mortician that have these Norman Rockwell style, like everybody's like wearing like prim buttoned up shirts or whatever. But now when the young girl tells it, it's like an 80 slasher. I thought would have been, if that whole vignette was shot that way would have been a huge treat for me. <laughs> like clearly not what they wanted to go for, but I was like, I thought that that was a missed opportunity to have like, you have another narrator. So it just, it looks completely different. Yeah, like, oh, that would have been cool. Yep, but yeah, so I, I guess like when it happened, I was like, "Oh, this is amazing!" And then they did the scream fake out, and it turned out to be like another Norman Rockwell painting. And I was like, oh, "Okay, it's fine." <laughs> just like, just slightly, slightly sad. But yeah, I would uh, put it on your Halloween twenty twenty watch list. I would say nice. it's, it's very if you're if that stuff seems like if you like creep show, if you like trick or treat, if you like. Uh, Tales from the Crypt. It's that, and with some fun Clancy Brown acting. Can't get enough Clancy Brown. He's so good. Yeah. This right. was another Fantasia show. Woot woot. Also, like this, the the and before I say, like as the music plays, this was official selection Fantastic Fest Toronto After Dark Fright Fest Parent Paris International Fantastic Fest. Wow. <laughs> like shivers. Like this has been at like every horror festival that has there been. I think just because because I feel that it is that iconic kind of like this is a horror movie with Clancy Brown with Clancy Brown yeah it's great. <laughs>
Yeah. You either get Clancy Brown or Tony Todd, and then you get all the invites. There you go. Yeah. It. And I guess that's the the real the real sadness of not having it is we didn't get to see uh, Clancy Brown in Montreal mm. for the for the for the Q and A's. Bye. What, like, ask him if he trusts his wife. What? Oh, hey there, loyal person who sticks around after the podcast to listen to the outro of a podcast. Uh, thank you for listening. If this podcast is fun for you, if you like to hear us talking about Fantasia movies, obviously share it, tell people about it. We do this just about every year. Uh, and for the rest of the year, uh, I also host a podcast called Go Plug Yourself, where we talk to uh, interesting Montrealers, sometimes uh, interesting Montreal filmmakers uh, from time to time, uh, every two weeks. And that alternates with our other podcast, 9ES, which is the 9 to 5 Entertainment System, where myself and Scott, who you just heard on this episode, uh, along with another one of our friends, John, uh, basically talk about geek pop culture movies comics video games uh, every two weeks that alternates with go plug yourself uh so yeah tell people about this show tell people about our shows go listen to some of our podcasts go listen to podcasts in general and uh i guess watch uh, fantasia movies and continue to support genre cinema thank you 905.cc podcast blogs and comics made in montreal since 2011